Father, we just thank you for uh, who you are, and Lord, for your spirit that that lives inside us, Lord. We just pray that we'd all be filled tonight, and uh, we'd be able to just comprehend um, how much you love us, Lord. Just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, last week we kind of got down in the weeds with, oh, uh, you know, Abram and Sarai and Hagar and all that. So what I wanted to do this week is kind of back out a little bit because we're at chapter 17, but I gave you a handout there. And, uh, and so when you look at it across the top, it's kind of a, kind of a timeline. So it's got Abram's age going across the top. And then this here sort of got some of the major events that happened. And then down here, we're going to see where God speaks to Abram. And what I'm going to do is just going to go through these. And it kind of makes you think a little bit different about God's relationship with uh, Abram. And uh, so I started thinking, you know, because I have to make those little sheets up that you guys fill out. And uh, there is a there's a ton of things here that God said, but and we could kind of talk about it and look at it, but it would it gets kind of confusing going back and forth, back and forth. And so what I did is I made up your sheets tonight as for each one of these, we'll be able to basically write down the different promises or the things that God said to Abram so that you can see them kind of in front of you and see sort of a pattern develop. And kind of get an idea, and then we can think about, you know, why this happened the way it did, or, you know, I'm sure it'll mean something different to everyone here. So, uh, you can see he started out in Canaan, and then he went to Egypt, and then he came back to Canaan again, and that's when, uh, you know, their, their herds were so great that, you know, they had to split up, and uh, Lot went to uh, AI and Abram went to Bethel. And then the next big thing is Lot got captured and he got rescued. And then after that, we had the scene with Abram, uh, Melchizedek, and uh, the king of Sodom. So, uh, what was his name? The king? Was it? Was it Bel? What was his name? Oh, Burr. 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 King of Sodom. Son of evil, remember? And then, uh, then we, last week we talked about uh, Abram and Sarai and Hagar, and then ultimately Ishmael. And this week we're up to Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac. So the first time that uh, Abram had a, an encounter with uh, God was in Genesis uh, 12. And so I'm just going to read this. And it says, The Lord had said to Abram, go, to, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So on your sheet there, if you want to fill those in, um, basically, uh, you know, for A, it says, uh, uh, God promised to Abram, I will make you a great nation. And then 
and be. He said, I will bless you. And in C, he says, I'll make your name great. And in D, I will bless those who bless you. And then in E, whoever curses you, I will curse. And then F, am I going too fast? Yes. Okay. F, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And remember, we can look at this. I think we talked about it even when we went through chapter 12, but God has uh, basically made good on all of these promises right here. So once we get start getting through it, you'll be able to look at the pattern it starts. Uh, Genesis 13, he says, uh, The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you, where you are to the north and the south, to the east and the west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go and walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So on the first one, number three there, says Genesis 13, God promised after Lot had parted from him. Most of these, it's directly out of the scripture. Not all of them, but most of them. So number three again, it's Genesis 13. God promised after Lot had parted from him. And these are the things that he promised. I think this is significant after Lot had parted from him. And A, it says... All the land you see, I will give to you and your offspring. How long? Forever. Right? All the land you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. B says, I will make your offspring as numerous as the dust of the earth. So when you look at 12 and 13 now, um, you can see the very first part of 12 that says, The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. said he had said that. So if you remember what preceded chapter 12, uh, it was going through the genealogy. And uh, uh, Abram's father, uh, Terah, had just died. And then it goes, then it starts into chapter 12. And so basically... Chapter 12 opens up and says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go 
from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land, I'll show you. And what it sounds like what happened was is that Abram got this word from the Lord. He went to his dad and said, hey, we need to, we need to leave here. And I think that, uh, but instead of leaving them behind, he took his dad and Lot, and they all went together. And so once they had, if you can see up here, uh, with uh, Lot, if you follow the timeline, you know, they were in Canaan, they went to Egypt, and then they came back to Canaan, and that's where they they split up. So when they split up, now it says the Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, right? So basically what God had told him to do over here finally got accomplished over here in Genesis 13. So on number, was it number four, I think? It says, God wants us to be obedient. I know the revel in all of this, we don't want to be obedient, but and you see, it doesn't show God pressing the situation here or anything like that. He just says, hey, this is what I want you to do. So, you know, Abraham, he didn't do that. And he went into Egypt, and things didn't go too well, and then he came back. So the him and Lot split up. And so when Lot splits up, and now God appears to him again and says, you know, take, take a look around. And he's basically, in, in 13, he's promised some land and, uh, and, and offspring, right? And he's a, a bunch of them too. And, and I'm, you notice he says, all the land that you see, I will give to you. So it's kind of limited in scope in chapter uh, 13. So number four, God wants us to be obedient. Uh, And chapter 15, when I got, there's two more times that we're going to talk about here uh, in 15 and then in 17. And the passage was fairly long, and so I couldn't actually get it fit at all. I wanted to try to fit it all on your, your little handout. And so when you'll see that when I get to a spot, like here I'll put dot, 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 dot. That just means that there's other scripture in there, but it, I left some of it out because it didn't really change the meaning and what we're trying to do here. So whenever you see that, you know that, hey, this isn't the full text. And when I got over to 17, it was, uh, there was so much that I had to actually take out the verse numbers. But I'm covering from 17, 1 through 21. Okay, so remember Lot got captured, and then Abram goes out, and he goes on this military campaign, and he rescues uh, Lot uh, from this consortium of kings from uh, you know, basically from modern-day Iraq. And so he does that, and we're talking about is a pretty huge thing what he did. And so then after they they get back, they have this little ceremony right out on the plain where Melchizedek and the king of Sodom is there. And basically uh, the king of Sodom, you know, offers him a bunch of stuff. And and uh, and uh, what happens is... is Abram basically says, hey, I don't want nothing from you because I don't want it to be said that, you know, that you made me rich. He basically said, 
I owe my allegiance to God. God has done everything for me here. And so, so after that, Genesis 15, 1, okay, I think Abraham's got like PTSD. He's thinking of all these guys he just whooped up on. They're going to come back after him, right? So after that, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is from your own flesh and blood will be your heir. So he took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And then verse 6, this is huge. That's why I put it in, bolded it out. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited to him as righteousness. Uh, Verse 7, he says... He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? And the Lord said, bring me a heifer, a goat, a ram, a dove, a pigeon. Abram cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. Abram fell into a deep sleep. Then the Lord said to him, to your descendants, I give this land from the Wadi of Egypt to the great river of the Euphrates. So he's basically saying from the river in Egypt, the Nile, all the way over to the Euphrates. Uh, Verse 6, I don't know if we talked about verse 6, but verse 6 is huge because Abram believed the Lord and he credited him as righteousness. And uh, Paul goes back to this verse to explain the grace of God, actually. Uh, because after Abraham, you know, if you go farther down the timeline, you're going to have, you know, Moses and the law. And uh, Paul goes back and says, you know, this law, it didn't work and it was only there to show us that we needed, you know, a savior. And he said, if you go back to Abram, he didn't, he was, he predated the law. And this is what God said to Abram, you know. Abram believed the Lord and he credited him as righteousness. And so that is kind of the system that we're under now because we do the same thing. We believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead on the third day. And so he accredits us us righteousness for that. So it's the same thing. So and uh, it says here... uh, in Genesis 15, God promised, A, I'm your shield and your great reward. And then B, B is a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. You know, it's in a timeline where he says this. He tells him ahead of time. He says, be a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. So did 
you think Abram made some mistakes along the way? Because if you look at the next thing, he's, this is what God is talking to Abram about right now, you know, after this scene with uh, Melchizedek and the king of Sodom. The very next thing on the timeline there is we have what we talked about last week. They kind of go off on their own. Kind of another Egypt experience. And then C, he says, I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky. So in 13, he says, as numerous as the dust of the earth. 15, he says, as numerous as the stars in the sky. And then D, he says, to your descendants, I will give this land from the Wadi or the river in Egypt to the great river Euphrates. So see what you got. Uh, A, up under number three. What does he say there? All the land you see, I will give you. So the farther we get into this progression, the more he reveals, and and it keeps getting better, actually. So I missed number one. So how old was uh, Abram when he had his first encounter with God? 75. Good. So that's very encouraging to me. Very encouraging to me. Because I just barely turned 65, so... Things are looking good, yeah. Yeah, I think everybody in this room is like, hey, we're just getting warmed up, ready to start working with God, right? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that was so easy. That's why I put it in there, though, so I could give everybody a hard time about how young we are. So anyway, 17. It says, God said, A, oh, I better read it first. Uh, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Now walk before me faithfully and be blameless. You know, I crossed out then because uh, uh, then just didn't seem right to me. I mean, I'm not saying I crossed out because it didn't seem right. <laughs> I, then, yeah, because it makes it sound like it's what's happening here is conditional. But when I really dug into it, the NIV is the only version that puts then there. All the rest of them either put and or they don't have a word there at all. So it makes it sound like I'm a, I'm a computer programmer, so if this, then that. Right? So it's a conditional statement to me. And so I just, that's why I drew the line through then. You can do whatever you want, but I don't think it belongs there. So when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me faithful and be blameless. I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and said to him, and and God said to him, this is my covenant with you. You will be a father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. 
I will establish my everlasting covenant between you and your descendants for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, which you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. My covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. So, Abraham's 99 here. Okay, the little incident with uh, uh, Sarah and Hagar and Ishmael, he was 86. So, between the first time that uh, God talked to Abram there back in Genesis 12 till the incident we covered last week with uh, Hagar, 11 years had passed by. So how many people can remember what they were doing 11 years ago? Huh? I mean, 11 years, that's a long time. Okay? So the things that we've covered, the one through Genesis 12 through 15, covered a period of uh, basically, you know, 11 years. And now, when we get out to Genesis 17... Uh, when this first started, Abraham is, now he's 99. So uh, we're talking 24 years, and then by the time Isaac born, it's 25 years. That's a long time. That is a long time. So the scripture doesn't really say anything about anything else happening in between that initial call until you know, basically 24 years later. I mean, we've got these, you know, 12 and 13 were real close to each other, 15 probably not too far after that. And then we're not really sure along that timeline when, uh, well, we can see at 11 years there's the, the kind of dividing point. Can you imagine that, though? Not God promises you something and you don't hear from him, you know, for... You know, 24 years. I just started thinking about that. What would I be doing? I'd just be going off crazy someplace, probably doing whatever I could think of. But it's kind of interesting when, it, when, when, if you read what happens here, he says, The Lord appeared to him and he said, I am God Almighty, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between you and I'll greatly increase your numbers. And so what Abram does immediately, he falls to his face before God. It's like, I'm thinking, he's probably thinking, uh, because I'm sure that, you remember last week that, that Hagar had a conversation with the angel of the Lord, right? And so Hagar probably went back and told everybody, I had this conversation with the angel of the Lord, so... Here's Abram thinking, oh, I thought I was the main guy here because, you know, he made this promise to me back, you know, when we first came into Canaan there. So it's a, 
so Abram probably had some time to think about it. That's the only thing I can figure out because he was immediately on his knees before God. And then God lays out this, this whole uh, uh, covenant. We're going to cover this one in a little bit more detail next week, but for right now, in Genesis 17, on starting out number 6, God said in A, uh, I will make my covenant between you and greatly increase your numbers. And then B, it says, uh, I will make you a father of many nations. And C, it says, I'll make you fruitful. D is an interesting one. He says, I have made you the father of many nations. So in God's economy, it's already done. Well, that's, that's pretty cool. Kind of gives you a glimpse into, you know, the realm of God. And then he says, I will establish my everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants. So that's like eternal, right? And then F. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. So when I have problems like... uh, like kind of when I'm reading things and I have problems understanding what I'm reading or I'm trying to pull it all together, I tend to like draw a picture of it. And so that's what I did here is I kind of just drew a picture of it to make it easier for me to comprehend. And I, and I know that'll work for some people also. But after I got this done, I just kind of stared at it for I don't know how long and just was really thinking about this, you know, 24, 25 year time span. And I'm thinking a lot of the stuff gets repeated, right? I mean, if you look at the initial, he kind of gives you like just a flyover here in Genesis 12. But most of the stuff that he has after that, I think, gets repeated but maybe expanded on. But the thing that really got me was the amount of time that elapsed, and I'm thinking of my own self, if I was in that, I don't know, you know, I don't know how I'd react. You know, this Abraham guy is a pretty cool guy, and and the the main thing that came to mind, I just kept thinking it over and over and over again. And uh, my thought was, well, we're studying the Old Testament, but uh, the thing that just kept uh, coming to mind for me is that um, number seven is our relationship with God is made better. Actually, better is not really a good word. Much better, much more better uh, because of the Holy Spirit. 
So the role of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit tonight, and then we'll come back to 17 next week. The role of the Holy Spirit was different in the Old Testament than in the New. It was a different different deal. And in Psalm 51, 10 and 11, you're probably uh, familiar with these verses. Uh, it's David, and uh, David says, uh, Create in me a pure heart, O God, renew in me a steadfast Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Uh, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. So in the Old Testament, the role of the Holy Spirit would be different. The Holy Spirit could come and the Holy Spirit could go. And so, um, and David is kind of alluding to that in this, in this psalm here. It's the first time the actual Holy Spirit is talked about in the Old Testament. But when I was reading this verse here, uh, it says, create in me a pure heart, O God. The word for create there is the same word that they use in, in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth, which is, is not like put some stuff together here and make a, you know, a Lego toy or something with it. It's not that type of create. It's like create from absolutely nothing, right? And so this is David's cry from his heart is that, God would just, from nothing, just create a brand new pure heart in him, which is kind of nice. But do not cast your presence or take your Holy Spirit away from me. So in 9 it says, David asked God, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Uh, Matthew 23, I'm just going to read this. Uh, It says, a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Which, that, that's really what I thought about when I looked at this whole long time period where, to me, it looked like Abraham was in the desert as far as concerning communication with God. Is that, you know, Jesus came and he was God with us. And in the immediate context, Jesus was God with, you know, his disciples and the people of that time. But, uh, when Jesus, right before he's going to go to the cross, he starts explaining about the Holy Spirit to his disciples. So in John 14, uh, 15 through 17, he says, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, or some versions say helper, and others say paraclete, to help you, and to be with you forever, okay? See the difference what's happening here, which Jesus is setting up a new deal. He says, I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to help you and to be with you forever, which is different than what David was dealing with, where the Holy Spirit would come and go. He says, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So he's talking to his disciples. That's the immediate context. So he's telling his disciples, you know, right now he lives with you and he will be in you. So and the whole idea of the, the advocate or the helper or the paraclete is, means that alongside. 
So you're going to have his helper. It's alongside. You've got the Holy Spirit right here. Right, right next to you, right? Right in you. So as a New Testament believer, this idea of waiting for, you know, you know 24, 25 years to have communication with God is just, that's why I look at it. I can't understand how Abraham could have even done it. It's just an amazing feat to me. So, in 10 it says, Jesus tells, tells me the Holy Spirit uh, is, uh, tells me the Holy Spirit is my helper in me forever. I think I got a bad sentence there. The next one is uh, John fourteen twenty five. Uh, through 27. All this I've spoken to you while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Keep in mind, he's talking to his disciples now. Uh, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not uh, give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. So he's getting ready to leave and he's telling them. Um, But um, in number 11, it says the Holy Spirit will teach me all things and will remind me of everything Jesus has said. So I think in parentheses, I put there, read your Bible. Because in the immediate context, Jesus is talking to his disciples and... um, you know, they don't have the written word. And I think that this is what helped them write the written word for the New Testament. Uh, but for us, we do have the written word. So I'd say that it, for, you know, for us, he's saying, you know, read your Bible. And, uh, and uh, he says he will remind us of everything that he said. So if we don't read the Bible, we don't know what he said. So there's nothing to remind us of. So read your Bible. And, uh, you know, I've had several times where I don't have much of the Bible memorized at all. There are certain verses that, um, I'll be honest with you, that I remember just because I just remember them. (laughs) But I never sat down and made a concentrated effort uh, to do that. But there are other occasions where... I know it's the Spirit of God. It's stuff that I've heard in church or stuff that I've read before that I'll be in a conversation with a person or sometimes it even happens when I'm teaching or just out of nowhere the verse comes into my brain and it happens. And so um, I guess going back to Abraham, he didn't have any of this. You know, 24 25 years of just kind of God just showing up, you know, every once in a while. That'd be a tough one for me. So we really got it made as New Testament believers. That's what I think. So uh, next one, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so... um, Number 12, 
I will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on me. So I try to personalize these because it's really easy to read the Bible verse and think it's about somebody else, but it's really not about somebody else. It's really about us here. And then Romans eight twenty six and 27. Romans chapter 8, just one of the best chapters in the whole Bible, but... In verse 26, it says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So that's so nice because when you're in the situation where you really, um, you really at a loss for words, and that happens, that happens with me quite a bit actually, uh, where you just really don't even know, but but the spirit who is inside you knows, and he intercedes for us, uh, you know, with the Father. Um, so, 13, the Holy Spirit intercedes uh, for me uh, in accordance with the will of God. So I don't know, what do you guys think? The difference between uh, Abraham's program and our program? Different? Quite a bit different, huh? I know, and if you think about um, when what the scenario that Abraham operated under was completely different than what we operate under, and I almost feel like be honest with you, I feel like I've sort of taken God and taken the Holy Spirit for granted almost. You know what I mean? Huh? huh? Right. A- Abraham was. And, you know, we can look at him. And, and if you, you know, if you want to look at him an armchair quarterback, Abraham, you can see that, you know, he didn't really... He wasn't a perfect guy by any means. And, but you know what? The thing that really comes out of that for me is that God was still faithful to Abraham because God had something that he wanted to accomplish. And down the line, he knew that there was going to be Jesus. And so he took Abraham, and you can see it right between, in, between uh, Genesis 12 and Genesis 13. You know, he, in Genesis 12, he had told Abraham, hey, this is what I want you to do. Abraham kind of did it, but not really. So God says, okay, we'll just run, let this run its course. And they go into Egypt and, you know, they, things don't go so well down there, but they do end up with a lot of stuff. So they have so much stuff they can't keep together. So a lot leaves and bam, God comes back in immediately and uh, does the deed. And it's kind of interesting, too. I don't know if you guys noticed or not, but it says, the Lord had said, the Lord said, 
And then the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. But when he was 99, the Lord appeared to him. The Lord appeared to him. That might have something to do with him falling on his knees too. So that's all I got for tonight. Um, I think that let's pray. Father, just thank you for who you are. And Lord, most of all, we thank you for your spirit that, that we could uh, have... Uh, have you right beside us uh, every day. And Lord, I just pray that uh, we wouldn't take that for granted and we could look back at Abraham and see that his situation was much, much different than ours. And Lord, we just thank you for Jesus and uh, your spirit and uh, the example that uh, Abraham uh, uh, set for us. Just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.